Well, hello, this is Dr. Odell Glenn of the OG Inspiration Show, praying that you have a blessed month and blessed year and that you're moving forward in your purpose and destiny. The purpose of the OG Inspiration Show is to inspire, motivate, empower, enrich the lives of others through education, career planning, my own experiences, nonprofit organizations, authors, faith-based communities, coaches, entrepreneurs, professionals, and small business owners. The purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience, to turn obstacles into opportunity to the utmost and to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experiences. We have an unerrated of God and he is constantly challenging us to reflect his glory, to utilize the characteristics he has given each of us to move towards righteousness. And we must often be innovative in that task. So today I wanna read a couple of quotes one of the quotes, which is one of my favorites, is my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is found in the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus quoted that, take my yoke upon me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It makes a huge difference when you are giving a lighter load in life and you can cast all your cares upon him. Another quote is, by an author unknown, and he says, God is not a being among beings, rather God is the ground and the source of all beings. Another quote is by Martin Luther King Jr., and he basically says, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. When you are at the mountaintop, that is where we as humans meet God. When we are in the valley, that's where God meets us. Another quote is, peace is not the absence of war, but war is a result of the absence of peace. And the last quote that I want to talk about today is by Mahatma Gandhi. And he said, speak only if it improves upon the silence. I'm going to repeat that. Speak only if it improves upon the silence. That is the gist of the OG Inspiration Show is to empower, motivate, and encourage the words of life to speak because of the improvement that my prayer is that this podcast helps you as an overall person and your well-being. We have a special guest with us today, and his name is Jamal Javanje. Jamal Javanje is a best-selling author, podcaster, and full-time life coach. As an author with over 20 years of experience working with people in various stages of personal struggle and challenges, after traveling to many cultures around the globe, and now as a full-time life coach, Jamal has discovered the common roots of human suffering along with the sustainable solutions required to help people become liberated and empowered. Jamal is passionate about serving individuals, couples, and groups on the path toward enlightenment, wholeness, and liberation. By helping to identify and clear energetic systems of belief that create fear, disharmony, and disease, Jamal seeks to restore awareness of the ever-present and unitive divine flow of abundance, goodwill, and love that exists for all physically, mentally, and spiritually. Jamal was raised in Columbus, Ohio, 
and he grew up in a religious home, his father a devout Muslim and his mother an equally staunch Catholic. His parents were bound by their intellectual curiosity and their shared passion for books while they passed along to their son. Driven in part by his vicarious appetite for meaning and significance, Jamal came to faith in Christ as a young adult and heard the call to ministry. He served as the pastor of his local church for a number of years until his personal journey led him away from institutional religion altogether. Jamal started his life as a correction officer, then reemerged as the leader of his local church before ultimately transforming his life into a life coach and writer. The path he traveled might seem random at first, but his explanation of exactly what he learned from each profession makes it clear that each step taken would not have occurred without the experience of the previous step. While interacting with prisoners, Jamal discovered that he loved working with people who were in desperate need of help due to a life of hardship. From that point on, each subsequent move he took made perfect sense in the evolution of becoming who he is today. Jamal's evolution is relevant to countless Americans today. Thousands quit their jobs en masse in the great resignation after coming to a collective epiphany that the pandemic forced them to discover. They weren't happy. We all know that jobs or careers can leave us feeling unfulfilled, but should they leave us feeling downright miserable? A recent Pew Research Center survey found that low pay, a lack of opportunities for advancement, and feeling disrespected at work were the top reasons why Americans quit their jobs. The survey also found that those who quit are now employed elsewhere are more likely than not to say their current job has better pay, more opportunities for advancement, and more work-life balance and flexibility. Why does it take something enormous like a global pandemic for us to declare that we deserve better? Jamal likes to ask those who are looking for guidance, what if you were told by your doctor that you had six months to live? How would your day-to-day change? How much time and energy would you spend on drama and arguing with others? The point he makes is that we must not waste time waiting for the weekend or a vacation, much less retirement or even the promise of heaven itself. Living needs to begin today. After this short commercial break, we will come back to interview none other than Mr. Jamal Javanji. Do you have that burning desire to educate, empower, and inspire community? We here at WDRB Media provide you with such wonderful opportunities to make such a positive impact. So step out on faith and make a significant difference with your gift. We care about your voice and the impact it has. Call 1-877-342-7770 and provide them with the code 1349 to begin the process. That's 1-877-342-7770 and code 1349. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event, Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. 
Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The three-tier foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with the proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation, fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled, Caregiving, the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com. And you can also book him to come and speak at your next event, function, or club. Again, the website is www.ogcaregiving.com. Well, welcome back, radio audience. This is Dr. Odell Glenn of the OG Inspiration Show. And as we mentioned, we have Mr. Jamal Javanji with us. And as you can tell, he has a very extensive background as well as as a coach and author. And we are excited to have him on our show this morning. Jamal, can you greet the audience and tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Dr. Glenn, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been looking forward to this interview and uh, to all the listening audience. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm I know that we'll have a fantastic conversation today. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So Jamal, just let's begin with your, because you are a plethora of a lot of different things. Now, life coach, I mean, you've made some really great transitions in your life and it seems like everything is coming together full circle for you. Let's start with your childhood. Where did you grow up? And could you just tell us a little bit about your schooling and your background? I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm from. And my uh, dad, I like to talk a little bit about my parents because my story is very much obviously shaped by them. But my father grew up in a little island called Zanzibar, which is in East Africa. It's, it's actually part of Tanzania now. But when he grew up there, it was a British colony. But he lived there his entire life until he was in his probably mid to late 20s. And then there was a revolution on the island and they had to leave and flee. They ended up moving to Kenya, Mombasa, Kenya. Heritage-wise, he's from India, so Indian descent, but born and raised and grew up there in East Africa. And then my mother, she was born and raised in southeastern Ohio, comes from a rural area, completely different culture, but uh, that's my mother. So my dad, they were pen pals. They wrote to each other for about six years. And my dad actually proposed to my mother in a letter. They had never met and uh, she accepted. And then he made his way to the United States. And then my brother, I have an older brother and myself, and we were, and I was, you know, came along. And my dad was a devout Shiite Muslim, very, very devout in his faith. And my mother was a very devout Catholic. She actually wanted to be a nun before they got married. So pretty, pretty extreme, totally diverse cultures, different, obviously different 
being raised in a multi-faith home, I always had questions and I was always very curious, but that's kind of my beginnings. Great, great, great. So yeah, that was very interesting when you mentioned that. And when I read that your father being a Muslim and your mother being a Catholic, and then Mm -hmm. you later on becoming a minister out of that with all the questions, how did your journey to becoming a minister begin? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to say I've always been on a spiritual journey. Just the questions I would ask, I remember being, I can remember being almost six years old. And the big thing that I was observing in my parents' life was my mother and father both come from a lot of generational poverty. Obviously, with my dad's situation growing up in what's considered the third world, a lot of poverty he was exposed to and had affected him personally. And then my mother, on certain sides of her family, there was just a lot of generational struggle and poverty. So that was the backdrop. That was what I I picked up on that. So there was a lot of angst, struggle. My dad worked really hard, had a lot of fear. At an early age, I just picked up on that energy. And I remember asking some questions like, the main question I was asking was, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Are we here to survive? And there was a story. I like to tell the story because it so shaped me. I remember being in probably kindergarten or first grade, and we read a story in school on a particular day. And the story was about the ant and the grasshopper. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but basically the ant was considered to be this really diligent and hardworking creature that was, you know, in the summer, he was going around to the picnics and, you know, taking all the crumbs and food and he was taking it back and storing it up because the winter was coming. And during the winter, there was going to be no food scarcity. And then they contrasted the ant's life with uh, the grasshopper's life. And the grasshopper was one of these, you know, folks are just like partying and living, you know, just didn't care about the future. And so they contrasted the ant and the grasshopper story. So the grasshopper, when the winter came, basically was hungry and starving and had to come to the ant and the ant had to give him food. And so the moral of the story was be like the ant, you know, not like the grasshopper. And I remember when I heard that, I mean, the story was told for children and it was kind of a kid's story. But that story really bothered me. I remember being deeply affected by that story because the metaphor was, I could see it. I said, this is a metaphor for life. And what I saw, I saw my dad being like the ant, always working hard, always thinking, always afraid of the coming scarcity. So he's always trying to store and save. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just had this sense of, is that what life is about? Is life simply about survival, about storing up food in the summer so that when the winter comes, we can eat and survive? Because in the story of the ant and the grasshopper, the ant just, so once the ant survived the winter, he did the same thing over again in the summer. Just, it it was a cycle. It just kept repeating. And so I remember thinking, my dad is like this ant and that's troubling to me because there has to be something more than this. So I went home from school that day and I had a conversation with my mother. And I remember asking her this question, why does dad go to work? She said, well, well, because that's what we have to do. We have to make money and we have to pay the bills. I said, okay, but then what? What happens when you pay the bills? We pay the bills because we need a place to live. We need a a roof over our heads. We need food on the table. I said, but then what? What happens when we get the roof over our heads? We have the house. We have the food. Then what? She goes, what do you mean then what? So I'm six years old. I don't know how to articulate the deeper question I'm asking. But what I'm asking is, is there anything more significant to life than just survival, just paying the bills. And she just looked, I don't think she could intuit what I was asking. She said, what do you mean? Then what? I said, what happens after we get what we need? She goes, 
well, then, you know, you have to keep doing that. And then eventually we die. Literally, that was her words. And it deeply troubled me. I think she could see that. She said, listen, you don't have to worry about this. Just be a kid. Enjoy your life. Because when you get older, this is the things adults deal with. You know, that was my fear. Like, this is what I have to look forward to is simply just surviving. So that was the beginnings of what I would consider my spiritual path, because I wanted to know, I was deeply driven by this question, why are we here? And it has to be more than just surviving and paying the bills. But when I watched my parents who were deeply religious, both my dad is a Muslim and my mom is a Roman Catholic, their religious practices did not seem to deeply address that question. Now, I didn't know this at the time. Looking back, that's where the distinction between religion and spirituality occurred, because the spiritual focus was about getting to the deeper, deeper questions, deeper essence of what it means to be alive. The religious practices weren't necessarily addressing that, and that informed me for many years. So I did not pursue any kind of quote-unquote religious focus until later in my high school, college years, and there was a family, there was a group of people that really just showed a lot of unconditional love and support for me personally, and they were evangelical Christians. And that led me into moving into evangelical Christianity and having a understanding of the Christian gospel and understanding of Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection and what that meant for me as a person. And the entire message of Christianity really became very personal to me as a young adult. And that's how I got into that world. Awesome. Awesome. Jamal, you basically said a mouthful. I actually love the book of Ecclesiastes because Mm -hmm. that is the book that it doesn't mention anything about God. It doesn't mention anything about Jesus. It really goes into the deep thought of the why and the purpose and the deep thought Mm -hmm. that we have to sometimes use philanthropy or philosophical thoughts to dissect. And sometimes we still don't know why, but it goes to show that everyone has a very different, unique pathway to get to God. And you're like myself, I always ask the why questions and still still ask them. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives me segments of them and not all the answers, but sometimes he does lead me as to why I went down certain pathways like yourself. And so you beautifully mentioned that your passion and your vision is to see people liberated from ideas and constructs that keep people from achieving their full creative potential as spiritual beings. And so having gone through the experience that you went through at home through your mother and your dad, and thank God they were open to you asking these why questions, that is a part of the growing process that eventually led you to Christ to begin your unique journey, to live out your unique purpose. And now you know the why. Sometimes you're the why to help liberate people from a bondage or a cycle that could be detrimental and then finding their purpose. And so, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, your mission is to challenge old destructive paradigms and introduce new empowering ones through your work. Can you explain that a little? Yes, yes, totally. Okay, so there's a couple of uh, perspectives here. So when I got out of high school, I was a new dad. I actually had a child when I was 18. So I got married shortly after that, and I needed income, I needed a job. And I had went through a real tough period in my high school years where, so I, my head, like a lot of people would say, you know, you know, my head wasn't screwed on straight. I had a lot of trauma 
and I was reacting to a lot of that trauma. So I was this new Christian, new father, new husband, a lot of new, new trajectory in my life at that point. So my brother had actually graduated about a year ahead of me and he'd got a job as a corrections officer in the state penitentiary there in Ohio. And my dad knew some contacts in that department in the, with the state of Ohio and got me an interview. So they said, hey, you should be like your brother, work in the prison. I didn't have anything else going for me at the time. So I said, okay, I'll become a corrections officer. And uh, that was an instrumental experience for me because to answer your question, a long way to answer your question is to say, it was in my time. So I ended up being a correction officer working in the state penitentiary for almost five years. And in that time working in the prison, I became convinced in the inherent goodness and divinity of mankind. Now, people, people look at me and say, wait, you worked in a prison for five years and you became convinced in the inherent goodness and divinity of mankind. And I said, absolutely. How's that? You know, because you see people at their worst, obviously you see the behavior in prison is very what you would expect. But what I began to understand in that place, working in that institution, was that if you could take the time to hear a person's story and find out what their experience is, what they've been through, what I saw was, quote unquote, what we call sin or what we call this evil behavior that was coming from these folks, all of that was a reaction to deep pain and a sense of abandonment at the core of being. And it was that sense of even orphanhood, that human beings don't have a home or a place to call their own at a deep existential level. I'm not talking in, even in a physical level, but and this isn't even consciously understood. But what I could perceive was at the core level of that person, about that person's experience, that there was a sense of separation from their essence, from who they were. And that was causing the pain right. in their entire psychological construct, their entire ego or persona was built on that pain, but that wasn't who they actually were at the level of truth. Right. The level of truth, these were human beings that were literally the image and likeness of God. And I began to see that mm -hmm. in the prison. And so I realized, you know, a lot of times, so some people will have beliefs about themselves that the entirety of their identity is that they're just these wicked and depraved people, you know? So a lot of times people will carry that core belief about themselves at the level of the unconscious mind. And that will affect and act as a ceiling. And what I also saw in that prison was when that belief began to shift and people could perceive themselves beyond their pain, that's when their life began to change. Right. That's really interesting because you saw them the way God sees us. He doesn't see mm -hmm. as, you know, someone who doesn't have potential and just look at us as I've said, I was basically teaching. Bible class the other day, and it had to say that God is not someone with a belt with watching us and waiting for the next mess up. He is really a loving, kind God that, you know, when we accept him as personal savior, he sees us as he sees his son. And he sees us in the fullness of our completion, even though we're being sanctified and growing every day. And so it's really interesting the way you just Framed that in the sense that you worked as a correction offer and you saw humanity in a special way so that it saw the person where they were and then developed and coached them to where they need to be. And that's the purpose of ministry in essence. The essence of ministry is to embrace love and continue with the forgiveness and move forward to fulfill the purpose and to fulfill the unique fingerprint and the destiny assigned 
to each and every one of our lives. And so, Jamal, then that led you to to be a leader of a local church. How did that evolve? That's a great, great question. So eventually, after about five years of working in the prison, what I came awake to was I did not like the, the law enforcement aspect of what I was doing there as a corrections officer. But what I did love was the ability to see people, even at their lowest, but be able to see the beauty and the truth of who they were and to help them realize and come into alignment with the truth of who they are. And so at the time, I had a mentor in my life who really steered me. He just said, listen, you know, I think you'd make a great pastor. And so I was attending a church, a local church in the central Ohio area at the time. And they were, uh, the pastors of that church were all graduates of Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And that became my next stop. And I sensed, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to help people. So at the time, the first step in that was becoming a pastor. And uh, so I went to Liberty, moved down to Virginia, ended up studying I was a religion major, pastoral emphasis major, and did that. And then the church that I had been a part of and associated with in Central Ohio, they were planting churches in that area, in the Central Ohio area. Their goal was to plant 20 churches in that area. So I became one of their church planters. And when I graduated, I went back and we planted a kind of a collegiate-based church there near the campus of the Ohio State University. Oh, great, great, great. And so I know that there was a lot of impact on the young people there through your experience. Now, you then became a life coach and writer. And after this short commercial break, we're going to talk about your book, which is an Amazon bestseller. And then you later on became a podcaster. Again, you took a path that seemed random at first, and then you're explaining what you learned from each profession that makes it clear that each path or each step that you took did not occur without the experience of the previous step. And I think that was beautifully said and done. I I can relate to a lot of different things because each path that I've taken, I'm actually integrating them all together in one bowl of soup to present one big project. And it just goes to show that we are evolving. We evolve as creatures when we... Yes, to God, because a lot of times we think God keeps us in one space, but no, there's a lot of different spaces he takes us in different seasons to propel his work in us. Really, it is not us. It's really him doing his work through us. Mm. you expound? I'll tell the audience a little bit about that. Yes. I love what you said there about, you know, we're evolving and the place we are in now leads us to the next step, right? So that has been the Sometimes when you're going through something, you don't always see that. And when I was working in the prison, it seemed like this was it, you know, this is what I was doing. And then I realized, no, that was just a stepping stone to quote unquote ministry, serving people, helping people. But I'll give you an example of this. When I left my job as a corrections officer and moved down to Virginia to attend the university, I needed a job. So I ended up selling shoes <laughs> while I was in college. And I was literally, I worked for this store called the shoe department. I literally helped people find shoes. I made minimum wage, even though I was making really good money as a corrections officer just previously, I felt like I'd hit the lottery. Looking back on it, obviously people on the outside would say, oh, you were just selling shoes to make it through college and making minimum wage. But no, I love that job. And looking back on it, I see how it was a metaphor, just like being a corrections officer was a metaphor for my work with people, seeing people beyond their pain. Being a shoe salesman was also a metaphor for help, you know, what do people, why do we wear shoes? Because it helps us move forward in life. It helps us in order for us to get where we're going, we need to have proper footwear, right? That's a metaphor. 
part of my work is helping people get where they need to go, where they need to be in life. So this theme was kind of woven through my life, you know, and becoming a pastor. When I was a pastor, uh, what I loved about my job as a pastor was helping people see themselves beyond their pain. (laughs) Same thing with the prison, right? The thing I did not like about that position was the same thing I didn't like about being a prison guard, which was maintaining an institution or the machinery, so to speak. There was a machinery of church work that it wasn't a fit for me because so much energy and focus went into maintaining the machine, making sure the bills were paid, making sure the building was there and the equipment was going on, you know, the staffing and all of these things that we basically running a company, all of those things just zapped the life out of me. So um, it was interesting that the pure aspect of shepherding and helping people on their journey, helping lead people where they need to go, that's what I was designed to do. And it took many years for me to realize that that wasn't about a position as much as it was about who I am as a being, as a person. And I remember in college, when I was in college, there was a kind of a slogan for our university. And it was, be a champion for Christ, do something great for God kind of a thing is what we heard a lot. And I remember having a moment just in a time of contemplation, prayer, where I really heard the words just deep in the chasm of my being just speak to me really loudly and clearly. And what I heard was, you're my great work. Like, I don't need you to do a great work for me. You are actually the work that I'm doing. That's beautiful. That was a paradigm shift. That was a complete paradigm. I didn't understand that. It took me years and I'm still just now getting to a point where I'm realizing, oh, this isn't about me doing something in the world. This is about me becoming the work, so to speak. Like, you know, that we are like, you know, I know there's a passage in the scripture. It says that we are God's workmanship that's been crafted together and prepared for this good work. But it all comes from this inner state of being. And for years, I was as a pastor, even as somebody who was helping people and helping address people's issues, what I didn't realize was my own pain. I had a couple of major pain points, traumas in my own being that I did not even recognize, and I didn't even know how to address. And so what I was trying to do is I was trying to address it in the people out here, in the people I was working with, you know, whether it was in the prison or whether it was the pastor. And I was actually on the run from myself. And it took me many years through a lot of suffering to actually my life came to a halt. I ended up stepping down as a pastor, ended up going through divorce, lost most of my relationships. It was a traumatic, traumatic disruption in my life, which finally allowed me to then pivot, kind of take that perspective instead of looking out where the source of my pain was or what I was trying to do out here and trying to do something great for God out here in the world. It was a major pivot inward in which I was finally, for the first time in my life, able to start to address my own pain. And it was through that, that I got my life back. And that's when the transition to becoming a writer and then eventually a life coach happened. Awesome. 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 That's a beautiful testimony where you take a look within. And sometimes we all need to do that. We need to sit down. And I tell people all the time, the quiet spaces are the places where God ministers to you. You know, when we're in the valley, that's where God meets us. When we're on the mountaintop, that's where we meet God. And so when we were in the valley and the wilderness, that's where God, if we take the time to go into a quiet space and listen to his voice, um, a lot of times we go to God asking for this, that, and the other, but sometimes he needs us to listen and then he can mm. 
inner spaces that need healing that only you and him know about. And then he mm-hmm. direct and heal you into divine pastures of where you're the best fit, what his plan and his purpose is. I love these conversations because find God's purpose and plan. You are at peace. And mm-hmm. he began to journal. He begins to expand your horizon to various heights unknown. And so any form of oppression or hindrance, it doesn't create a space for you because you've now spent time with God and you really know his purpose. And so a person like me and you're like yourself, who've always asked the why questions and the what questions, he begins to ease the pain of some of the whys and the what's because you're here on purpose. You're here on a divine destiny. Just like Jesus, he came here to fulfill a purpose and he left. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a long time or it could be a very long time of you here. Once you fulfill your purpose, you have done what you were supposed to do and you go to your next space. And so it just goes to show you, radio audience, that take time to spend time with God and really listen to his divine purpose. And he will give you thoughts and plans that you know not of. And again, it's not always you talking, it's him and you listening to the next steps and the next purpose. Some of you may be at a crossroad as we are you listening to this broadcast and you really need to figure out your next move and your next space or to come up with new ways to enhance the space that you already are called to. And so Jamal hit it right on the nose with respect to knowing what that is and then finding what that is and then moving forward in that. And he may take you different roles. It's okay. But every road and every pathway is all working together for the best of you. Any comments on that? Oh, I love it. No, I just, I total agreement. And I love what you were saying when it comes to your mission, right? Your mission may be short, it may be long, but just knowing, I think that was the biggest thing that I, as a child, always wanted to know was, am I here on purpose? Is there a reason that I'm here? And Jesus made a statement, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. But when really to begin to embody that and understand like you are sent, you know, the people that are listening to this, you know, we're all sent from life itself, from the source of life itself you're here on purpose. And so just knowing that, and one of the things that really helped me when I was in a deep depression, when I first began to pivot inward and take a very close look at my pain, I remember wanting to die, didn't even want to live. And this, I heard this again, it's the grace of God in those very, very tough times that came to me. And what I heard was, since you want to die, since you're despairing of life, you know, you want to be done with this. Why don't you do some research on people who have actually died, physically died, and had what's called near-death experiences, and came back to talk about their experiences. So I became obsessed. There was probably a six-month period of my life where the beginning of my healing journey, I really started to do some research on people. I wanted to hear about their experiences and what they experienced. And almost to a T, almost everybody, everybody's experience, there were some differences, but the one commonality that was communicated to folks who clinically had died and were resuscitated and came back and talked about their experiences They all said what was communicated to them from beyond their body was, it's not your time. You are here on purpose. There is something left for you to do. There's things for you to learn and to know and to also do on the planet. And when your time is fulfilled, 
then you'll be ready to leave. But if this is not your time and you have to go back, just that awareness, even though I would have said that my whole life, oh yeah, we're here on purpose. God has a plan for us. But that was just more, it was kind of just a belief, but it wasn't really an experience. But at that point, something about their stories, hearing this folks who had literally died and came back and the change in their life was so profound just by knowing that if you woke up in the morning, if you wake up, if you're alive today, it's because you are divinely purposed to be here today. There's no throwaway days. There's no mundane days. Whether you know what your purpose, a lot of people say, I don't know what my purpose is. That's okay. You don't have to. I always say your purpose is to live. Number one is to experience the life that you have. Because when you can get very present with the life that you have and show up for the life that you have, knowing that there is a purpose to all of this, the pleasant, the unpleasant, the mundane, the exciting, no matter what it is, there's a purpose for this moment. When you can understand that, you show up for life and that almost inevitably leads you to the next step, to the next open door that leads you into the work that you're here to do. And that's been the story of my life. Awesome. 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 You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Jamal about the global pandemic and how mindsets have changed since then, like the great resignation. We're going to talk a lot about his book and how you can contact him for coaching as well after the short commercial break. Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The three-tier foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with the proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation, fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled, Caregiving, the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com. And you can also book him to come and speak at your next event, function, or club. Again, the website is www.ogcaregiving.com. Do you have that burning desire to educate, empower, and inspire community? We here at WDRB Media provide you with such wonderful opportunities to make such a positive impact. So step out on faith and make a significant difference with your gift. We care about your voice and the impact it has. Call 1-877-342-7770 and provide them with the code 1349 to begin the process. That's 1-877-342-7770 and code 1349. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event, 
Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, radio audience. We are having an awesome conversation with Jamal, and he is giving some golden tips and golden nuggets. Now, Jamal, let's talk about the global pandemic. And to to be quite honest with you, I am somewhat, and I have a whole testimony on this because it really changed my perspective on lots of things. And it actually, this podcast was birthed out of of a pandemic. I mean, amazing. I, I seriously never thought me as an engineer, a quiet student, would be in front of a national podcast doing my own podcast show. And this is a baby from the global pandemic. And now it has birthed purpose and mm. different directions that I never would have known. And so can you talk to the audience about as many have quit their jobs or have been a part of this great resignation and really have redefined themselves in terms of happiness and content. Can you talk about that? And then we'll talk about your book. Absolutely. Well, it's a great question. And the great resignation from the pandemic is a, it's created a lot of turmoil, right? <laughs> if you've yes. flown recently, right? I've not, not too long ago was on a plane and you know, there was a lot of my flight got canceled and lots of turmoil because you know, people are having a hard time finding employees. And I totally, totally understand that. But I always say this in, in my work as a coach, I try to help people understand that all behavior, it's either compulsive in nature or it's conscious in nature. So compulsive behavior is really rooted in our tendencies, our patterns that are more rooted in memory and past experiences or programming, so to speak, at the subconscious, unconscious level. So human beings at a very primitive level, we have this thing called the survival complex, right? We, it's, it's the fight or flight mechanism. But when we're operating in this place of needing to survive, needing to pay the bills, so to speak, we're not actually conscious. We're operating from this, you know, some people would even call it like the primitive, some people call it the lizard brain, right? But it's that primitive fight or fight complex. It's located in the brain at the base of the brain. And basically it's just all about survival. And when that is kicked on, you're not actually conscious of higher dimensions of reality. You're not conscious of your life from a place of awareness. You're just operating in this place of self-preservation and survival. So we've kind of been brought up in our societies, right? Just needing to get a good job, needing to pay the bills. And when you're operating from this place, years go by, right? Time goes by. So when we talk about, and then we're compensated for our time, right? We get paid $20 an hour, $30 an hour, $40 an hour. But I like to tell people it's really not time you're being compensated for. Mm -hmm. What is time? Time is a psychological construct, right? So what we mean by time is we're talking about our life. So we're talking about if five minutes go by, I'm five minutes closer to the grave. If an hour goes by, I'm an hour closer to the grave. So what we're being compensated for is our very life. So I always like to ask people, how much is your life worth? Yes. Is it worth $20 an hour? Is it worth $10 an hour, $40 an hour? I mean, it's kind of an obscene question because my understanding of life is that it's invaluable. That means you can't put a finite number on it because it's infinite in value. So we have been trained when you're operating in a survival complex or survival mindset, you cannot think about life 
from a proper perspective. So then only when we're in fear mode or survival mode, will you be willing to trade your life away for money? So until this conscious or this unconscious or compulsive pattern breaks, we just kind of stay in it and people will, will spend years doing this. Well, when the pandemic happened and we had this pause, this collective pause, probably one of the first times in modern history that from a global perspective, we all had awareness. We had time to sit back. There was a break, a disruption in our compulsive behaviors and our, and our daily behaviors that really we don't think a lot about. When this break happened, it allowed us, and usually it takes a disruption. As I mentioned in my own personal life, it took a major disruption in my life for me to actually begin to pivot inward and to begin to look at my life from a place of awareness and go, okay, who am I? What is it that I'm here to do? What's the point of all this? Well, on a global scale, I think people had a break from their compulsive need to survive and they just looked at themselves and they started to realize that their life was worth a lot more than X amount of dollars an hour. Now, I don't mean to say that you know, working at a particular job that they had been working at was somehow beneath them. I don't mean that. Now, people may have interpreted that way and say, oh, this is beneath me, or this is not something. I think you can sell shoes and be absolutely in love with it because somebody's got to sell the shoes. Somebody's got to put the luggage on the airport belts and get them on the plane. There's nothing inherently right or wrong about any of those jobs. But when you can approach those positions with a level of awareness and consciousness, realizing that this is a step in your journey, it's not your entire life, that's when you can redeem those things. And I think that's what's happening today. It just happened on such a global scale that we're experiencing a lot of disruption. But uh, living for a living versus living for survival is a completely different trajectory to be on. It's a whole different paradigm. And that's what I think is happening at a global scale. Yeah. And Jamal, that's the title of your book, Living for a Living, which answers the question, why are we here? Why were we born to just born to strive just to pay bills, take occasional vacations, or then retire for a few years to enjoy life at the end? Is this what it really means to truly live? Jamal, can you tell people how they can go out and get your book? Because your book is just I mean, it really answers the why questions <laughs> and to hear that and, and know, hey, the global pandemic, as you said, it brought us into an awareness. How can people go out and purchase your book? Thank you for mentioning the book. That Probably the best way, I mean, it's available on Amazon. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. You can get it through Target and different places. But probably the easiest way is through Amazon. But if people would just go to my website, which is jamalchavanji.com. The information about the book is there and obviously the link to Amazon and the different places you can get it is all there on the website. But I wrote the book because obviously the question is people would ask, what is it that you do for a living? And <laughs> that question would always bother me because I, you know, I watched my parents work really hard, but they weren't living. They did the best they can with what they have. Right. But I knew that in that moment, this is not really what people mean by the question is, what do you do for money? And that's what people want to know. That's a very different thing. So what you do for money, you can do a lot of things for money, but are you living? So the book is about literally learning how to align your life's work. Now, I believe we're all here to work. Everyone's here to work, but the work that we're here to do isn't about survival. It's, it goes way beyond survival. Exactly. Exactly. So when our work is in alignment with who we are, then we're truly living for a living as opposed to just living for survival. So that's why I wrote the book. And it's really my journey into living for a living. Awesome. Awesome. 
Jamal, you're also a podcaster as well. Can you um, talk about your podcast and where people can go and find you and listen to you? Yeah, absolutely. I have a podcast called The Love Cast with Jamal Podcast. And the heart of that podcast is really to be a service. So I'm a life coach by profession. So I wanted to create a wider, some of the conversations I have with people. And I wanted to just broadcast to the world because I think conversations can be, as you know, uh, I love that you created this podcast and from the pandemic. And conversations have a real powerful way of shifting people's focus and consciousness. And so I created my podcast to be an extension of the conversations I'm having on the individual basis. I do a lot of interviews, have folks on the show. And um, my goal is that this would be a podcast that would help people shift their focus inward. And that can be a tool that help people up-level their lives. So it's available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you really find podcasts, but it's called The Lovecast with Jamal Podcast. Also, the information and the links to those episodes are available on my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. And Jamal, somebody may be listening to this podcast and may want to reach out to you for you to help them find their purpose or to, for you to be their coach. You know, coaches are really essential nowadays because if you're an expert in a certain field, having a coach to walk you through the dark valleys and the dark places could be very, very beneficial. How can they reach you if they want you to be their personal coach? Totally. I'm a huge fan of coaching. It saved my life. You know, just when you're in, when you're involved in the thick and thin of your life, it's kind of like, I always like to say, if you were a fish in water, (laughs) if you ask the fish, how's the water? They would probably say, what's water? They've never seen it because whatever you're in, you don't see it. So having that ability to have an apparatus where you're able to take a look at your life from an outside perspective, that's what coaching allows you to do. Then you can see the lens through which you've been viewing life through. So we see life, but we don't always see the lens. So I'm a huge fan of coaching. Obviously, that's why I do what I do. But there's a coaching page that is connected to my website. So if people go to jamaljavandri.com, you'll be able to find my coaching page. I have an introductory workshop for people that I, it's kind of the starting point for folks that I work with in coaching. So it's a six-week workshop. It's a group workshop that helps people get into, it's called the Sustainable Alignment Workshop. And information about that workshop is available there on my website. Awesome. Awesome. And you can also find Jamal's website on my podcast as well, underneath his bio. You can also go to my podcast, www.oginspirationpodcast.com, and you will find the links to Jamal's website. Jamal, time always goes by quick when you're having fun, but can you give us the audience the last words? And if you could say a final prayer, Absolutely. Well, I think if I were to encourage folks that are listening to this episode, I would simply want to direct people back to some words that Jesus said. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Yes. And that's a game-changing paradigm. That means, you know, we talk about wanting to be in God's presence. We talk about wanting to be, you know, obviously all of us want to go to heaven, so to speak, but the kingdom of heaven where God fully reigns where the source of all that is, is firmly in power, is actually within you. So if you're here, if you're alive, if you're listening to this, just know that everything you need, all the wisdom, all the strategy, everything you may need in life to move forward in the life that you're here to live is actually within you. And it's all about gaining access or awareness of that dimension of being within you. So you are listening to this for a reason. And so here's a prayer that I would like to offer up for you. I want to thank you, God, for directing all the people listening to this 
episode at this point in time. I want to just thank you for all of these folks and thank you for directing these folks to this moment. I would ask for each person listening to this episode for the eyes of their essence of their spirit to be opened, the eyes of their heart to be opened, for their ears to be opened so that they can hear what is their next step, so they can have a clear sense of direction. Give them peace knowing that they're not alone on this journey, that they're here right on time, they're not late, they're not early. And help them to understand that there are no throwaway days, that today is a divinely appointed day and their future is bright because they're creating their future in this moment. Help them to understand that. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 You know, I'm going to leave off with a saying by Jamal and he goes in the bio by saying, what if you were told by your doctor that you had six months to live? How would your day today change? How much time and energy would you spend on drama and arguing with others? The point he makes is that we must not waste time waiting for the weekend or a vacation, much less retirement or even the promise of heaven itself. Living needs to begin today. And so Jamal just said a mouthful today and gave us thoughts to ponder that basically the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and we say that during the Lord's Prayer, let thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And so heaven is complete. And so Christ wants us to be complete as well. And he's given us authority to do that by depending on him. But we have a lot of power within through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we just listen to that, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Jamal, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure someone is leaving encouraged, empowered, strengthened, and are willing to go into their destiny and their purpose through your testimony and through your books and your coaching. God bless you. And Radio Orleans, have an awesome week this week. And we will be back with the OG Inspiration Show on next week. God bless you all. Have an awesome week.